I literally grunt at least every five minutes. Wow. And I mean, if somebody oh. was sitting near me, they're probably like, what this in the heck guy. is yeah, that this, guy doing? This guy, this is well, the I guy just, that I'm used to. Tom Yenzer is grunting the whole time <laughs> up in there. Yep, <laughs> but I'm telling you. All right. And we're back on our podcast. Hey. Uh, we're, we're, we're balls deep in November at this point. What episode are we on, Colty? Yeah, 47. 47. 11th. November 11th. Mm-hmm. It is Veterans Day. So yeah. Thank you to all the vets out Instagram there. Instagram reminded me of that this morning. Yep. Yeah. It is Veterans Day. Uh, so we appreciate everybody in their sacrifice and time to to protect this country and allow us to do the things that we do. You know, so thank you to our vets today. Um, if you're listening to this, though, it's probably right before Thanksgiving, I'm thinking, week before Thanksgiving. Uh, thus why I have Jared's scariest colors on, my hunter orange for firearm season. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow, it's choked you up that much. Choking huh? on water. <clears throat> Dude, yeah, especially after this past weekend, man. We'll, we'll get into it here, but... Boy, did we run into some guys here. Mm. Uh, I, I was reminded of the joys of public land the other day. Mm -hmm. It's tough, man. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I mean, if we're listening to this, most gun seasons are opening. In fact, I'm heading to Kentucky tonight. Um, tomorrow, just get prepped. And then Saturday is opening day of gun season in Kentucky. It's opening day of gun season in, I think, Wisconsin. It's opening day of gun season in Indiana. I'm sure a few other states. Uh, Missouri. <clears throat> lots of states opening up. it's crazy man because it, it's one of those things we we're talking about this morning and it's like i feel like we've just been going 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 but it's also because it's not like i can say well i'm just gonna wait you know a, a couple days and then i'll go back out it's like no bow season's over it's gone yeah yeah the she season gone. comes and goes quick man you can make it happen when uh you have the opportunity yep so so anyways so i'll be heading to kentucky tonight um i spent the last week um Bouncing between where the hell was I hunting? I guess Ohio. Yeah, just Ohio. Ohio, right? Ohio. yeah, in Ohio. Yeah. I did hunt in Pennsylvania. Um, I took. Well, I was sitting here at the desk working uh, during November, which is never a good thing. And uh, like all of a sudden, the stealth cams are like beep beep beep. I'm like, oh, that's it. And I had two shooters. It doesn't make that noise. It doesn't make that. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had two shooters show up behind the house on 28 acres and it's like if they're there you got to go and mm -hmm. so i hauled ass out to the muddy box blind because it was the safest bet wind was swirling and stuff and uh carter ended up coming in as soon as he got out of school he came up to the blind and had a decent buck up on the hill and another one sneak in on us but neither of the two were the deer i was after and um nothing gave him a shot so yeah so yeah so we bailed out on that solid effort though yeah solid effort. i would have done the same thing Yep. Uh, I, I do think you were in the right spot. I mean, if they were oh, going to we come were. through anywhere, I, I think it we would were. have been that food plot. They just kept pushing those does out on the edges, and um, it's 28 acres. And I can't do much with it. Um, and then, yeah, went and looked at a farm this week, and then went to Columbus this week as well. Are we allowed to? You bought a farm this week, right? <laughs> I bought a farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I looked yeah. at it, and I also I bought, it. I bought it. It sounds Made like... Maybe I got an accepted offer on it anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, actually, I'm signing the sales contract this morning um, to lock it down, and I uh, just needed some terms and some things put in, but... So, so, at what point do you have to get an actual formal approval for financing? It's, it's a lot looser on... Um, 
the ag credit side, as long as you can bring 20% to the table. You mean ag credit. So is that the bank? You're that's using? who I'm using. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, basically they're like, listen, as long as, you know, you can bring 20% to the table, like we'll finance it. Um, and so it is for sure 20%. I know you were hoping for maybe less. You can do 10. Um, and we'll get into this. This is one thing that I want to talk because we got a bunch. Did you see I was replying to a bunch of Instagram questions back and forth? So um, <laughs> we've, we've kind of been talking about doing like a, a little bit of a side podcast here of like talking about the land process and buying a farm and things like that. It's a side podcast. It is a podcast. Yeah. And so like I've recorded one and it's, you know, just because I was bored one day and just kind of talked through it. But I think we're going to get into this detail because... Um, it sounds like, oh, hey, I went and looked at a farm, and oh, shit, I bought a farm. But I've been doing a shitload of research. Like, I've been really living in it, and it's an investment property. We, You and I have talked about how we want to invest in something that we really can enjoy and we can use. Um, oh, I hate to hang up on that one. Is he hunting? Let me just make sure you didn't kill a buck real quick. Okay. Hey, just making sure you didn't kill a buck real quick. I'm on a podcast here. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Okay. Thanks, Dad. All right. See ya. No. Yeah. You got to pick those calls up this time of year. Though. No buck. Though. No buck. Okay. Um, he just wanted to tell me that the uh, tractor. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, oh, what are they called? The uh, forks. The, the forks are on the tractor so I can get that box. Get the box out today. Cool. Yeah. I mean, so we're going to, we're going to kind of do a side podcast here, which is very much focused on, you know, um, why we want to buy land, which to most guys listening to this are like, well, it's obvious you want to hunt. And that's true, but it's also, um, I, I'm tired of investing in paper funds that as much as I will and want them to succeed, I have zero effect on them being the stock market and the government and mutual funds. Um, so I want to invest something in tangibly, which in this case is land. And then with a recognized ability to improve that land and eventually sell it in a three to five year plan, um, for more money than I bought it for, of course. But in the meantime, kind of enjoy the fruits of having a farm. So yeah, I bought a farm in Southern Ohio. Kind of excited. How big? 130 acres. Mm -hmm. Um, mainly timber with a couple. Yeah, about 10 ish acres of tillable. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, 10 ish acres of tillable, um, balance and timber has an old farmhouse on it, which is actually being rented to someone right now. So it's got income coming in mm -hmm. and also has a little camp that will essentially make our cabin, you yeah. know, for us to go down and hunt. And, um, I, I'm stoked about it though, dude, the, um, we'll get into, it. I don't want to sidebar too much today, but you know, the things that you and I've talked about from a first property, are there better deer hunting properties out there? hundred percent, no doubt. Um, what I wanted to do for a first property as an investment, which is different than my Kentucky place. And we, we can talk about that in the podcast, but is that, um, I wanted some extra fallback securities on the property. And so for this, it was, um, a house that I eventually can sell or rent for income. And then also, uh, it has a lot more mature timber than I thought. And it's maybe not to the level of, you know, like, wow, this is unbelievable timber value to harvest, but I mean, we're talking 40, 50 year old oaks that could be harvested if I wanted them to. 100%. Not 40 to 50. 100%. I haven't seen it. So I guess. Yeah. The, the ones you sent me look like 20 to 30. No, because they haven't been harvested in at least 37 years. Hmm. Then that math adds up, I guess. Yeah. So that's, that's as long as the family. And again, the other cool thing about this property was um, 
everything that I've researched and called on so far, which has been a lot of farms, very frequent turnover of ownership, right? Somebody goes in, they buy it, they maybe hunt it, maybe they take some timber, they sell it three years later, right? Mm -hmm. Which frankly is kind of what we're doing. To find something that's been in a family for a long time and then hasn't necessarily been raked over from an investment side gives, I think, more room for opportunity to make money on it than something that's maybe gone through two or three hunters, yeah. you know, in that turnover. Yeah, in fact, one of the farms I looked at, uh, Jeff Sturgis, uh, had gone and consulted on, oh, yeah. and the guy had only owned it for 12 months and was selling it again. Those are kind of, I won't say red flags to me, but like, it just doesn't leave a lot of opportunity for me to get my hands and manage it and turn it into something and then try to sell it for a profit. So, yeah, I mean, the, the less hands that have been in the cookie jar, the, mm -hmm. the more cookies are probably in there. Yep. And so we're in a good county. We're in Meigs County, which is a top Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young County in the state of Ohio, uh, you know, top three to four consistently. And I have a really good neighborhood, which was my deciding factor when I went down there and walked it. I mean, the property itself is gorgeous, but your neighbors can do a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. And I really like the what I've heard from the neighbors. There's some things that could go... Yeah. You know, we'll call them yellow flags. Yellow flags. Yeah. They Pub can go either way. Public land, former game warden, but also likes the coon hunt. You know, just those kind of things that you have to assume that they'll respect the lines. And I, I went, I called the the guy that I talked to, the neighboring landowner, and I said, hey, just, just kind of look in like this backside here. He's like, oh, yeah, we don't even go up in there. Like, he's like, Bob doesn't even go up in there. Like, it's, it's too thick because that's where the tornado went through. Mm-hmm. So that, remember how we looked at that drainage? Dang tornado. <laughs> yeah, you remember how we looked at that drainage that yeah. went out? Yeah. It's too, it's super thick. So, yeah, there's a lot of upside to this thing, man. I'm excited about it. You know, nothing's going to be perfect out of the gate, um, but it sure seems like it's got the potential to I think we agree. Grow big deer. Yeah, you can't go wrong on it from an investment standpoint. The value's there. Yep, the, the only question is, yeah, what, what kind of deer kind of hunting comes along with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm encouraged by at least the last two years of data that they give him. Sure. There's um, obviously some decent bucks there. I'd be stoked to see if you can get out there this year. Yeah, that's the plan is as soon as I turn, turn over the sales contract that I might be cool. taking over all the hunting rights right away. Right on. So, yeah. But um, that's kind of been my week. Well, cool. Let's jump into... We got this Steve, guy. Yeah, we got Steve Shirk hey. back on the podcast today. And uh, they've been putting some bucks down recently. But uh, I think Steve's kind of echoed some of the things and frustrations you and I've had is that the season's been a little bit odd. Yeah. You know, it's been a, it's been a lot tougher than it seems from the outside looking in. We were in. just chatting on the, like, right before we jumped on here. He's like, yeah, well, you know, the weather, the moon. The, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Interested to hear what you, yeah. Moon. I'm tired. Of, oh, I'm not. I'm not. Actually, no, I'm not tired. Of I don't think I think it's so, tired of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Oh, I mean, we put that clip out from Adam, that little red moon. Dude, that thing's on fire right now. Sure. No red moon, pun intended, but. Sure. It's red hot. But the moon isn't actually red? It's not actually red. That's the hardest part, though, that I still, I'm like, why do we call it this? And it's like, oh, well, it's the harvest moon. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. I'm like, who the hell just came up with the name red moon? Yeah, he's like, it's art. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's bring in Steve Shirt. What up? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, brother. How are you? Hey, man. <clears throat> I'm doing pretty good. Sitting on the mountain, huh? That's exactly what I'm doing. Sitting on the mountain uh, next to a clear cut where I have decent cell signal. Yeah. <laughs> doing really good as you're sitting there tagged out. I know the feeling. 
That is a good feeling that I can definitely be a little more relaxed rather than thinking I should be in a tree stand. Doesn't it feel <laughs> just like re just relief was what I felt. Just yeah. the, the pressure's off and now I can have fun, yep. which is a shame because yep. just, you know, the process is fun and deer hunting is fun. But once you're, once you're tagged out, it's like the, the weight is off your shoulders. Now I can enjoy it. Yep. And it's, it's nice when Especially, it happens kind of early too. <laughs> Yep. And especially if you're, if you're guiding people as well, and you just feel like, yep. you know, you have limited time and your chances are slimmer, you know, getting, getting that tag filled is, is just such an easy or like an ease off your chest. <laughs> just other responsibilities yep. to get to. That's the stress of deer hunting is like, yep. man, the more I risk, you know, spending time in the stand and put off these other responsibilities, <laughs> the worse and worse they, they just get. stack up. And man. so when it's like you kill November yep. 2nd, November 3rd, it's like, whoo, got it done. And now I can address these things <laughs> that I know are going to be sitting there when I'm done. Absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know how that feels yet this year. Yeah, but you do know how it feels though. It's, it's <laughs> yes, happened before. You've had the feeling before. I've had so. the feeling And before. I've been in your shoes too. I, I've had those long seasons. Well, Jared and I were just talking about it and it like, obviously today's November 11th. Like I don't feel like pressure yet, but like it's starting to encroach yep. a little bit, you know, especially <laughs> just thinking like, all right, you know, the gun season in Pennsylvania is not too far. Gun season in Ohio is not too far. I'll be in Kentucky for gun season this weekend. Like you start to yep. be like, Gee, like both season's gone. Like it just ate up and, yep. and spit out. And this year especially just felt I felt like I was ready for it. Um, and I felt like I at least had a few deer on a good bead, but then all of a sudden it just mm -hmm. fell apart quick, mm -hmm. like really fast. That can happen. Yeah. I, I know, I know just what you mean. I swear this is, you know, it's just been the strangest year for us up here as well. Like nothing at all. What I expected just like constantly having to adapt, uh, you know, things changing and it's just been crazy. What do you think, um, you know, I've, I've got a couple of theories and it depends where you're at. <clears throat> One of the big things that I yep. kind of recognized in, in Pennsylvania, at least Steve, is that, you know, my whites and red oaks had zero mast on them. The only thing that was producing in yep. my area was chestnut oaks. We don't even have chestnut oak. I literally have nothing, no acorns at all. Wow. Um, apples. Uh, there's hardly any apples in a lot of places this year. So hmm. the biggest challenge, especially what I really focus on this time of year is trying to find pockets of does mm -hmm. and when you don't have good food sources it's hard to just stay on does that's it man you know and just you know a doe here and there but then she might be even be a half mile the next day because she's just she has nowhere to really focus on for like concentrated food source so mm. it's been a real real challenge up here as well the most challenging year i've actually ever ever seen wow that's crazy. I mean, yep. it is, you know, you think about these big wood bucks, you know, and it's in a lot of cases, Jared and I were just talking about a place that I got, um, in Southern Ohio, you know, there's no, there's no ag anywhere. Right. I mean, it, yep. not on the map. I mean, at least for several, several miles around the area. Um, in that yep. case, in that area, I've got a little bit of pasture ground here and there, but you know, I mainly rely on these big areas. And in, in fact, my Kentucky place is a good example on being able to pattern a hot oak tree and, and having doe groups yep. within the same area, at least until middle of November. After that, you know, it starts exactly. getting different. Didn't happen this year. Nope. Nope. I got the, I got the same situation up here and our issue was we had a, 
like a huge gypsy moth problem where they completely annihilated all the foliage on the oak trees this summer. Wow. I mean, in July, it looked like it looked like December, like there was no leaves anywhere on the trees. So that eliminated any chance of there being acorns. In fact, I found little tiny acorns on the ground, which the trees had to drop those in order to regenerate the leaves. They got too stressed out. And uh, so, I mean, the problem is, is it's usually like a two to three year cycle when this happens. And I see all these little sacks, like brown sacks on the trees where they already laid the eggs. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the same situation next year. I guess the only thing is, is I'm going to learn from, Mm -hmm. you know, learn from this year and and I'll be way more prepared for next year, you know, on, on how to hunt this kind of situation. That's crazy, man. I, I, it is, um, the one thing I've noticed, at least in the Kentucky side, uh, and somewhat in that Ohio area is I was checking a camera that I forgot about, uh, near Columbus Mm -hmm. and I pulled it and it was like April 21st or 22nd. We had like a substantial snowfall come through, which was (laughs) probably long after the buds and the flowering and everything started to happen on some of these oak trees. And I assume that that dramatically affected the, the acorn production. Absolutely. Yep. Frost is another big issue. So, I mean, it's just, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have ag or, you know, you don't have your own way of, you know, making food sources yourself, Mm -hmm. and then you're just counting on mother nature to provide it for you. You're going to have years like this and those will just be the more challenging years. doesn't mean you can't kill them though, but it's just going to be more challenging. This is definitely the time of year that I start to get you know, grateful f- that I put in the work in the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It, yep. I mean, you kind of take I it for, for granted, like, uh, op- you know, opening day in Ohio is September 25th or so. And and then through about mid-November, it just kind of, it can work out. They can be in those clover, clover mm-hmm. plots and stuff, but surely those bucks that have kind of moved off and are maybe rutting elsewhere, I think late yep, November is where that too. starts to pay off. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, got that brassica yep. plot sitting there waiting for them. Yeah. The further, the further you get in the fall, the less food that's available in the woods. So if you still got good food in there, you're going to start drawing more and more deer in. And you just hope that some of them made it, yeah. made it to that point. Steve, do you yeah. think, um, and, and I know you're running a ton of cameras, as am I, <clears throat> do you think that uh, in a year like this, you you stand a better chance to kill a buck that you've never seen before because not only from the rut, but because the does are moving so much to find food that their deer ranges essentially are bigger? Yep. I think the doe and buck range this year is, is way more than usual. Um, I, I think the deer are a little bit shocked, like, Hey, you know, where are the acorns at? Mm-hmm. You know, and some, I, you know, I think people might be surprised, but those deer know, you know, come this time of year in certain areas, there should be nuts on the ground. And, you know, I think they're, they're still probably looking for them in some places. They're, sure. they're used to that food source. And definitely I've seen, already just from on the cameras like i've already had pictures even in october of bucks ranging you know four to six miles which is crazy holy cow so uh that's yep, that was in october wow yep. i assume in the same yep. way it seems like they know what to do when it when <laughs> it's not there you know they've got secondary food sources or they know places that have mm-hmm. food typically yeah, I did. I've yep. seen that. I did see some, um, not a lot, but I did see some beech nuts um, on the ground in a couple different places, which is still a good source for them, as long as the yep. turkeys don't find them first. Um, yep. You know, obviously browse, green briar, you know, any kind of black yep. berry or rubus type stuff. I mean, but 
you know, it becomes really tough when you, like Steve's saying, it, it, you look at these dough groups, which those dough groups don't want to move. They want to set up a shop, you yep. know, during that time of the year, and they, they don't want to have to move out of that area. See, that, that's interesting right. to me because, like, I, so on my family farm, it's like, got plenty of doughs, and there's, I can think of four or right. five distinct family dough groups. Those big bucks are not there. They've left and they're, they're rutted elsewhere. And they've they've oh, left okay. they've left these doe groups to like the the two year olds that are you know remaining. Wow, which is odd. Do you think it's just because they have some sort of you know hormonal communication that those doe groups aren't just going to go in estrus yet? Like, why would you leave? No, yeah, exactly. It's confusing. I, I'm sure they're in estrus and they're probably getting bred by those two year olds. I would say <laughs> we we probably wow. have an abundance. Of, mm -hmm. you know of does um just in the region. yeah and there's only so many they can breed it's th this is what i've learned this year steve it's been really interesting as i've run cameras on multiple properties within a 15 or 20 yep. mile radius of like my family farm in ohio some bucks mm -hmm. or some properties gain bucks like october 25th that yeah, like they, sure. they go there to rut in fact that's what happened with this buck here and other properties yep. seems like less dense even if they have food there those properties lose bucks and those bucks, you know, sure. go elsewhere to rut, whether there's does there or not. <laughs> yep. And, uh, maybe even some, you know, I think I've seen where bucks, they have like summer range, fall range, but also in between they, they have like uh winter range or rutting areas. A and rut sometimes range. you can kind of see a, a pattern, like a buck may have everything he needs in that area, but he just has his typical rut areas and he'll shift. And I've seen that happen up here as well. I think it has something to do with them wanting to push does into secluded areas, like d difficult yep, to reach. That's true too. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yep. <clears throat> you know, Steve, I was, um, for the last two weeks, guess, I guess I've been chasing, uh, probably a two Oh five two ten in Ohio. Gee, and wow. it's it's amazing so that I, I assume this deer's five years old this year right? like super typical it's just like so giant. Yeah, yeah giant typical wow and um <laughs> i i'd hunted him in a planted uh walnut uh flat basically and so these walnuts are probably 15 maybe 20 at the most years old and underneath mm -hmm. is all just like privet and spice bush and like jungle right and so mm -hmm. literally I'm sitting in like this empty walnut tree in this grove of walnut trees and these deer are like rabbits tunneling through. And, and, t uh, what was it? The third, I guess, November 3rd. When'd you shoot your buck? Second. Second. Yeah. So never November 3rd, I had him at 37 yards right. on a doe for like an hour and a oh. half and could never get a shot. It was so thick. Uh, a couple wow. nights ago he came in chasing a doe behind me. The doe comes to 10 yards in this thick stuff. He literally would not walk through it because his antlers are so big. He just wow. gets beat to hell. Um, <laughs> you know, so he, he's, he essentially hung up outside of the thicket. It seems like a tough spot for a buck that big. Well, but he lives, he literally, and I know his home range is bigger. This is what's so crazy. You talk about a buck going four to six miles in that area, that deer, I would say lives in 150 acres, probably eight oh, wow. out of 10 times. If you scan that area, if you could see through that thicket, that deer's laying in there. Yeah, he's been wow. in there every time, and it's for multiple years. And now. we think he probably did in summer there too, right? Which I had a picture of him on September twenty seventh or yeah, twenty seventh after he's hard horn, which I think gives some validity to to that argument. Yeah, yep. so it's like Absolutely. he's literally living. Have in you there. seen that, Steve? Like uh, they won't in the in the summer when their their velvet is is still mm -hmm. you know soft, 
we don't see them yep. in high stem count type of like habitat, like real, real briary, real, sure. you know, thick saplings and stuff. They don't move into that yep. stuff until they've got hard horn and they know it. Who's that? Yep. Or, or you'll see them, you'll see them just on the edges. Like a lot of times those spots, they'll be, you know, they'll be good, good food, you know, good browsing sources and they'll just work the edges rather than go in. But yeah, I've seen that many times. Who is that, Jerry? John. Where? At, oh, which buck is that? Don't know. Shot a big buck? Came all the way down near Allenstein, crossed and died on the bank. This is the property. He was hunting that 200 incher on. Some, some temple. <laughs> Where'd he shoot it out? Speak of the devil. I don't know. <laughs> Allenstein, probably. Heck yeah. Good for him, man. Yeah. 200. That's what you was. want. There's one guy left. Wow, John, congrats. You should let me go see if I can scrape up any uh, left, just leftovers, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad idea. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> but I, I think it's really, uh, and I say that because I see that in my Kentucky place. In fact, I'm I'm still hanging on the fact that it's November 11th, and I have I've one really good shooter on my Kentucky farm that I've seen one time. And other than that, I've seen a ton of three- and four-year-old bucks that are good deer, especially I want the kids to shoot whatever they want. But, like, I'm just waiting. I know there's five-year-old bucks in the area, and I know that they're covering two, three miles. It's just at what point are they going to actually show up on my property? And and I feel like I just haven't seen them yet. And maybe it's because my does are moving around so much. Like, it's it's a super weird year. Normally, I can bet on it that the first to second week of November, if not the last week of October, I will at least catch a mature buck coming through. I may not see him for the next two yep. weeks, but that means he, like I'm in the game. Haven't had yeah. that this year. I, like I said, I I keep saying it's been a crazy year. I I just thought the way 2020 was like overall in life, like that everything was supposed to be crazy in 2020, but it only seems like it's getting worse. <laughs> 2021 has been more crazy. So <laughs> I don't know when it's ever going to end. That's for sure. So so when did it start turning on then, Steve? You guys have put a couple bucks down, yourself included, right? Yep. Uh it uh I would say just before Halloween, but it wasn't like a uh wasn't like a as far as just one day it blew up. It seemed like it was a little bit gradual until around November first. But then last week I thought was just phenomenal. Even though I don't think we killed anything last week but mine, but it just, it was just crazy last week. And, but last week was more of like that cruising phase. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really see any bucks that, I mean, I saw some chasing, but I didn't see where it looked like a doe was in heat and they were locked on her, but. And Steve, uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but is that, that's okay. is that late for you normally then? Yes. I usually see that phase in, in the last week, of October. See, that's what I was and, looking for, man. And I was, I was super yep. confused. Like, um, which yep. is probably one of the reasons I screwed up on that 200 cause he was tending grunting versus like, I'm just fired up and cruising grunting it. Yeah. It's, yep. I, yeah, I don't know. It see it still seems very tied to these weather fronts. I mean, I, when they rut, they rut, yep. but until that point, until the seals come in completely ripped off, mm -hmm. it does seem to be, which is why this, yep. this upcoming Friday through next week seems like it could be banging. There's Looks a monster good. front coming yep. through tonight. It looks. Yep, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, uh, this is what happened this year. Is I started a week earlier this year because I wanted to save the like this coming week where I could hunt New York. Just you know, yep. it's not that I don't like guiding, but it's like you you spend so much time during prime hunting weeks that's like you know I want to have like a week where 
or week or two that I can just focus on myself, not yep. to be greedy, but we all need, we all need that. doesn't matter what way your to job be selfish, is. Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it's going to backfire as far as the guiding, because normally I guide next week. Yeah. We're done this weekend. Um, but I'll be hunting New York next week, it probably looks- more scouting for the gun season, but yeah. we're, it's going to, I mean, I used that extra week and started earlier in October and, you know, I, overall, we're just going to miss a really good week, I think. But, hey, at least I'll be able to know. <laughs> it, it is funny, though, man. And, and Jared and I had this conversation. In fact, uh, Jared and, and Colton and Corey went to Illinois on Saturday. Yeah, if we look a little weary. Yeah, know. they went on Saturday. <laughs> we, we've been on the road. We were supposed to – this was supposed to be our week that we were actually hunting in Illinois – and, you know, basically by Saturday, Today would have been our last day. Yeah. Saturday, you're looking at the weather and you're like, dude, this, this isn't good. Like yeah. it doesn't look yep. good this week. And we had set the dates. Yep. This is the problem. <laughs> we set the dates months in advance. You have no way yep. to predict what the weather is going to nope. be that week. Yeah. What? Absolutely. Here, I'll, yep. I'll share with you real, real <laughs> quick how this went down. So, so <laughs> we're just looking at the second week, roughly the second week of, of November. We're like, Hey, let's let's put something on the books here. We, we went out this summer and scouted um, some, yep. some public land and we have two 80 acre leases in Southern tip of Illinois. And uh, Jeremy was going to come out and meet us a day or two after we'd gotten there. And I had a good friend from Tennessee that came up to meet us uh, and was there with us the other day. So this was this past Saturday, like the eighth, eighth. Yeah. And uh, so it's about a 10, 10 hour drive for us. I got up at like three forty five, picked Colton up on the way and we drove all the way out there, uh, got there at like 1230, did our little grocery shopping trip for the essentials, bought our license over the tag or I'm sorry, over the counter. Yep. And uh, at that point, I start, I always do, but I started feeling a little rushed and I was like, OK, sure, uh, I got to get I got to get. So Cor- Corey's been on the podcast before. Actually, Corey's the, the guy from Tennessee that came up to meet us and. Um, I wanted to get Corey. This is his first big like rut trip other than at my farm. And so I had him on a piece of public where we had hung a stand, um, this summer. And so that was the first thing we, we went to this um, parking area right away. This truck like drives in, it's a dead end street and drives right past us. And I'm like, you know, he didn't stop or anything. I'm like, okay. Um, so, so I kind of walked up over the hill. I wanted to cut him off and just let him know, say, Hey, I just want to see where you're at. I don't, don't want to mess you up or anything. So, uh, mm-hmm. he gets to the end, turns around and comes flying back towards us. It's like a white pickup. Wow. And I, I've stopped him, you know, and said, Hey, just want to let you know. He's like, Oh man, he's a Mississippi guy. He's like, Oh, I'm just looking for a spot to jump in here. You know, I'm just trying to hunt I'm just trying to hunt somewhere. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Hey, just we're up this way a bit. I've got a stand hung up there. Just wanted to let you know. He's like, okay, well I see you. So he drove off and I was like, okay, red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Corey and I started finished getting ready. Uh, I walked down in with him just because it was his first time to this spot and uh, got down there. No stand. Wow. Right. I'm like, yeah, stand, stand stolen. Um, but the camera, we had a, a stealth cam running on a scrape that was right at the base. It was an of old muddy. Yeah. If anybody had stolen this stand, we, we should have seen it. An old muddy. And we did. Right. We had never seen that. So I was like, man, I don't, I don't know how it's possible. So I was like, well, I don't know, dude. I said, just, just sit here on this rock for tonight and then we'll plan to hang this thing in the dark tomorrow morning and then we'll go from there i walk back and on the way out i come across a uh a pile of blood like a coagulated blood from past day or two uh, oh wow yeah right on the main access um to, to this piece of public wow. so i was like okay there's two red flags 
I get back to the truck and I called Jeremy who's at home or in Ohio. I was like, dude, what should we do here? I think the stand got stolen. And, um, he's like, you need to just go and hang that stand now. Just get, just get it done. And, uh, we remembered at that point that we actually had pulled the stand. We, we set it in there and trimmed everything out uh-huh. and then we pulled it. Cause we're like, well, I don't know if we're going to come back here. And we only had a few stands with us basically is what it was yeah. to hang. So oh, wow. it was just us. We were just <laughs> stupid. Yeah. I had no idea. When I have you, those same problems. When you asked me, I'm like going back through the camera. I'm like, dude, I don't see anybody on here. Like, how would I have missed them still on the stand? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we do stupid stuff, especially when you drive 10 hours, you get in a hurry. Yeah. I wasn't thinking. Lack of sleep, too, will cause yeah, that. That'll too. do it. So I just, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go hang the stand again right now. Let's get it done. I'm walking back down in. So we're from three red flags to two red flags. The stand was not stolen. Uh, as I'm walking back down in, I stumble on a gut pile, big gut pile, which oh, undoubtedly man. from the same same deer that I found the blood from. So let's leave that at two two red flags. Hung hung a stand for Corey, and uh, he was good for that night. He hunted it, saw a couple small bucks, some does and stuff. Uh, you didn't find it. Did you find a nut sack with that gut pile? No. Okay. I was just wondering. No, just a gut pile. Um, okay. So we regrouped that night. We're good. Corey's going back to the spot in the morning. Uh, Colton and I ran out of time to hunt that night, uh, just cause of the stand debacle. So we were the next morning it was going to be our first time. So Corey goes his way, Colton and I go our way and, uh, I get almost to the stand with, with Colton and we hear like dripping out of the stand and I'm like, what was that? And, uh, shortly after I realized that the thermos, the thermos that I had in my, my pack, I hadn't put like the piece in there correctly. And so I had like at least three quarters worth of coffee in here spilled out in my, my pack at a tensing lumbar pack, which I love drenched felt my lower back. I'm like, Oh dude. And this has happened to me before. So yeah, but the the trip's already been kind of a pattern. So as I mean, as soon as that happens, I pull my phone out and we're starting to get settled. And I see all these texts coming in from Corey about him. First of all, there's three other trucks at the spot that he's parked at. And it's not like it's hey, not you, you could go anywhere from here. It's, it's a like funnel. There's a road yeah. into this. Yeah. Three other trucks, two from Alabama, one from Mississippi. And, uh, as he's walking in, a guy shines a light, a, a green light at him. And, uh, which is not far from, no, he's right on. He's like a hundred yards off the, the main access, the main wow. access. He's, he's right on it. You have to get into this giant piece of public. You have to walk past that spot. And so wow. he, he's walking down in there. The guy starts, changes his light color to, to white and starts doing like a, a flag dance, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and Corey, mind you, this is Corey's first time on public land. And so I, I think he did handled it well. He did. Uh, he keeps walking. He gets maybe about 60 yards from the guy and he's like, are you effing kidding me? And he's like, sorry, man, I'm trying to get to my stand. And he's like, you're sorry. You're having sorry. You know, and starts and he's yelling wow. at him, cursing him out and stuff. And classic. Yeah. Wow. Cl- classy. And so J- Corey, his stand was maybe three, 400 yards from there. So he maybe, yeah, not, maybe it wasn't like right next to the guy. I mean, he had to walk up the ditch sure. pretty far. He's on the very that's edge just of public. public. Yeah. Just that's public. how it goes. And so he gets all the way out to his stand and I see all these text messages. I'm like, great, this is going super well. Um, <laughs> Colton and I did not see a deer that morning. Nothing. And we regrouped that afternoon. I was like, let's just, I went back down in to help Corey. Pull that stand. Pull that stand. And while we're down in there, ran into like two other guys. Um, the one told us, he's like, yeah, we're a party of like four or something. And we're all down in here. He's been hunting there for like 10 years. We're like, cool. Wow. We're pulling that stand. So you guys feel free yeah, to we're out. hunt wherever. 
pulled that stand, rehung it. Didn't see a, a deer that night either. We rehung Corey's stand somewhere else. This was Sunday at this point. Um, yeah. Yes. Sunday. And I was like, I, f- I felt, I really, f- just so you know, because Jeremy and I haven't talked, I felt really bad bringing that up. Yeah. I was like, dude, I know, like, we put a lot of planning and we paid for a Airbnb and stuff. I was like, I don't want to pull out of this thing, but it's, it's going south quick. Sure. And the weather looks <laughs> terrible. It's going to be 70. So I said, we've got two cruddy options here. One, we sit it out and, in my opinion, just waste time waste the rest of the week sitting here and we're not going to see anything plan b we flip everything on its head and reschedule we had all the stuff that had to change and let's come home Mm -hmm. come home and um yep it's the right choice i think in hindsight i'll tell you next week in hindsight i think it was the right choice so we packed everything up um was able to to cancel and get a refund on the house Mm -hmm. we were staying at which was awesome and my wife my wife changed like some of her yeah, oh, tra- yeah, travel dates and stuff, and so yeah, we came home, drove home all day Monday, and uh, <laughs> and the the big overarching thing was, and I still believe this is a big factor, the what the weather, man, yeah. it, it just you need was, the flexibility. Yep. It was warm, and they were not going. It yeah. felt like felt like September yeah. out there. I like, mean, you're you're saying it there, yep. Steve, and the fact that like you know it sucks for the guys that you're guiding, but like this week's going to be extremely sure. tough to kill deer. Next week is going to be yep. primo. But exactly. You, you can't yep. you can't predict that four months in advance. Yep. What I what I tell people is this time of year there's always the rut. I don't I mean there's gonna be rutting activity even if it was a hundred degrees, but it's like putting gas on a fire. Mm-hmm. If you there's a little bit of flame always, but the better the weather, the yep. bigger the flame. You know, you're adding more gas to it. And right now I'd say the flame's pretty small, but Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to change here in the next few days. It was a it was a tangible shift, even though the weather was roughly the same from Southern Illinois to Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. We just could tell, like when we came back, it was like warm, but feels ruddy here. Well, I mean, and I, guys were seeing bucks. You yep. were texting me. I saying, had that mature buck come through my at noon my property. It was like noon or one o'clock. Overlapping walking right a red moon, roughly, kind of. I'm I'm not. And uh, yeah, so they it, it kind of was. And it was. And so but it was just weird, man. They just weren't going out there yet. And the weather was icing on the cake. And so even though it seems like in the warm weather they've been going here, um, yeah, we, we gotta go back been, next week. It's been light though. I mean, <clears throat> even when I was in Columbus, which I mean I was surrounded by bugs. Well, I mean, look at that. John what, killed what is one it, this 50 morning. degrees this right now? Yeah, I killed one this morning. I would assume around eight thirty, nine o'clock. Yep. Um but you know, I didn't see any deer. I didn't see that that two hundred until he pushed that doe in at thirty minutes, twenty minutes before dark. Yeah, you know, and sure. I, I saw yeah. yesterday. It was super foggy. Yeah, but you had another big buck come in yesterday morning. Super foggy. As soon as that fog started Dude, that, to break, that property though. Yeah. I mean, how many potential big bucks? Well, have been and and here's a good one. And and I I want to get into this with Steve. And this kind of goes back to the you know bucks traveling and seeing new bucks. So this property's this property's a couple thousand acres, but really the huntable section that we monitor is no more than 400, I would say. And of that, it's probably really 250 of huntable because the rest is open pasture, remote areas. And it's right outside Columbus, Ohio. I mean, it's, it's prima place, but I've got, I've got three, four, I've got four cell cams running on it. They've got another half dozen to a dozen cams running as well. The amount of deer that they have, they, this is now, John's now one, two, three, four. 
They've killed four bucks in two weeks. They should have killed five or six, probably, if you count my experience wow. with that 200. We should have killed seven. Of those wow. bucks, though, I only knew two of them. Just right? showing up. These other bucks I've never seen. We don't have on camera. Like this buck that John killed, never, I don't think I've ever seen that deer. You know, and so it's like, where do these, where are these deer coming through? And into that point, man, what a great example of don't overhunt your cameras. Because if I was purely yep. going on what my cameras were telling me, there's one deer yep. and it's a 200 inch deer that I'm trying to, trying to kill. There's no other shooters in the area. Just as a point of reference yep. for scrapes, I was looking at um, that tuning fork scrape that was just on fire all mm -hmm. of October. Last buck that I had had hit that scrape was 11.3. See, and I've seen scrapes this week open back up. Have you? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That were closed previous. Mm. What what I what I'm seeing right now is if you got does working the scrape, it seems like the bucks are working them too. But if there's not doe activity at the scrape, yep. it seems like the bucks are just walking right by them. I think that's keep probably that mine too. Yeah, I've seen a lot of does. In fact, on Union maybe last night. Uh, there was a two or three year old buck hitting that scrape right behind him. A doe hit that scrape right behind her. Like another two year old hit that scrape. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, and man, what, a I mean, uh, maybe I should know this as a biologist, but I don't like, it would be so critical to understand that process of 48 to 96 hours prior to her going hot. Right. You know, like that behavior of hitting a scrape, like I've seen does hit scrapes in September. It doesn't mean she's hit going in estrus, but at this point, it, is that an indicator that she's trying to communicate like, Hey, I'm about to, to be, you know, ready and available. Like you just don't I, know. I think it is. I also think, um, a lot of does right before they come into heat. And I know the heat part is, is more of a shorter window, but I think there's days ahead of time when she knows she's about to get ready. And cause I'll, all of a sudden I'll just see a doe really start working a scrape, you know, for, you know, that's on camera Intel and then bucks just start pounding it. Mm. And then that area seems to turn on, you know? Wow. So I think I do believe that I'm not saying it always happens, but I think that's a time when, when there is some kind of communication between bucks and does and that's what they look for. Um, with with scraping and knowing when a, a doe is coming into heat i think based on that and i have a tough time hunting over since mm -hmm. i just i mm -hmm. i don't have it down mm -hmm. i know i know guys can do it but I, I just haven't quite figured it out i think based on we're gonna spend a week out there regardless i think we should take some some asterisks some mature doe mm -hmm. and dump them in those scrapes in front of us mm -hmm. and uh and just see yeah Seems like those deer out where we're at, it's gonna they cover a lot of ground. So we have to use synthetics in Illinois because it's a CWD. State. Oh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna use buck fever. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the red the red moon. Yep, mature doe blind. Yep. yep, and uh, I think that might help. You know, I think that one of the things that I've looked at um, from a and it's really funny because we we always talk about bucks rot, bucks rot, bucks rot. And I think Steve, you're one of the guys that that I've talked to that really hones in on the doe aspect of it. And I think that's super smart. One of the things that I've kind of mm -hmm. watched from the doe side is I've seen, you know, bucks, especially young bucks, nudging adult does, or how how does are are you know behaving around their fawns. And those those days leading up to them, let's say being receptive. 
you know, you really see behavior changes in them. Um, oftentimes trying to push off their fawns, you know, or, yep. you know, really not necessarily um, acknowledging or defending themselves or running off a young buck like they normally do before they're receptive. Um, and then yep. really it's that, and I, I was just lecturing these guys on it because somebody said, you know, well, how did you know, like that doe was hot? And frankly, just like a buck, a doe becomes really, really stupid when she's like in yeah, peak she acts goofy too. And, and I've actually killed, um, I want to say it was 2016 here up on the mountain here in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> it was like four o'clock and I had, uh, remember that real wide one I killed up on Jason's? I had a buck doed up. And, um, I essentially at one point was calling at the buck and I'm like, this isn't working. And I started working on the doe and trying to get her intention and uh, attention and try to intrigue her more. And damned if she didn't draw, pull him right through my shooting lane at 10 yards. And that buck 100% knew I was in the tree. hundred percent. He wow. had, he had pegged me. He had circled me downwind. He knew he had looked at me three or four different times <laughs> and yet still, when it all said and done, she stayed 45, 50 minutes right next to me at 10 yards. He wasn't going to leave her, and he pulled himself right through that hole and got shot. And it's it's yep. and that even after I shot, I remember <laughs> taking a video and being like, thank you to this doe right here. She's just sitting there <laughs> looking at me like, eh, whatever, like he's off my butt, you know? <laughs> and it's just the deer are literally out of their minds at that time of the year. And it's yep. not just the bucks. Everybody thinks like, Man, like, you know, um, that doe's probably an estrus. Her tail's up. She's doing this. You, If you watch a doe in estrus, she is as dumb as a mature buck in estrus. Yep. You know, and sometimes, well, dude, you see every year, um, you know, bucks walking down. Matter of fact, here's a picture of one. This is my cousin. This is in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. Strolling right there. That's it's a big 145-inch eight-point strolling down the sidewalk. Yep. <laughs> Any other time of year. You know, that deer's a, a ghost. A ghost. You know, yep. but... Caution to the wind. Amazing. For three, four weeks a year. Amazing. Yeah, so it's... If that. Some, I think some some big bucks really only lose their cool a week or two also. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So, uh, I guess kind of going back into the doe aspect of it, <clears throat> you know, Steve, it, it in a year like this where, you know, you don't have those destination areas that are super reliable because of lack of acorns or, or maybe areas have been browsed heavier because there aren't as much acorns. What, what's your strategy right now? I mean, what are you putting your guys on, um, you know, from a guiding standpoint, you know, especially in these big wood areas? Yeah. I think the key right now, which, you know, I'm a little behind schedule because like I said, I only got a few days left and I'm done guiding archery, but what I've noticed, and it's worked a little, but I wish we would have done it more is I think you got to hunt more mobile this year, hmm. like literally boots on the ground, maybe find a pocket of does. It seems like when you find does, you're finding a lot of fresh buck sign there and just hunt it. And then when it dries up, you move, you, you've, you got to kind of keep up with the deer versus usually we have a lot of set stands, you know, we'll find the food, you know, in the late summer, early fall. Um, usually I already would already have a, pretty good idea where the bedding was so you were able to predict all that ahead of time but this year with the lack of food the deer just they're in one place one day and maybe not even there the next so i think that's the biggest key is to be more of a, a mobile type hunter and uh, just do your best to stay on fresh activity fresh sign and just keeps 
scouting, you know, as you're, as you're hunting, if things dry up, be ready to make a move quick. Steve, how do you guys use, um, terrain? Like during this time of the year, I know that once they really get going and bucks are covering ground, I'm, I'm a firm believer yep. in using terrain and every year, uh, it seems like there's a few spots that's going to pinch deer through there. And so whether they're on a doe yep. or not, you sit there long enough, yep. you know, you're going to get a crack at one. Uh, in fact, I, I kind of yep. think that spot in Illinois is exactly that. There, there may not be a buck held up on that property, but maybe, yep. mm-hmm. maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, he's going to make that loop and he has to come through that bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, my favorite terrain feature that's often overlooked is, is a steep, long ravine on the side of a ridge. What happens is if when bucks are cruising that ridge, they could be the lower third, upper third, whatever. Rarely do they go through the ravine. What they'll usually do is once they hit the ravine, they cut up the side of it as almost like a ridge. And then they'll, they'll come around it right at the head of the ravine. And that's exactly where I killed my buck and exactly what he did. He, uh, he hit the ravine, then walked straight up it. When you say, when you say, when you say hit the ravine, he came at it perpendicularly. Yep. He was coming like, okay, the ravine is on the, on a hillside straight Mm -hmm. up and down. So he was coming, you know, along the hillside. Once he came to the ravine, it was difficult for him to cross it. So then what he did was he cut up Uh, right towards me to where it flattens off at the top. Yep. And that's where you were. That's like what you were having in Ohio. Same deal. Same deal. Yeah, you'll have activity coming up and down the ravine because it's almost like two ridges there. And then also a lot of deer, especially if they're familiar with the area, they'll know ahead of time, okay, I already got to cut up and I'll cut right around the top of that ravine. And often you'll find a massive community scrape right at the head of those ravines. You understand what he's that's saying. another thing that I was hunting. There's a big scrape there. And secondly was the, I did have a, a, a doe group just pounding that scrape in the day. Like every day those does were hitting it. And then that buck showed up like late October at night. But I knew I was just like, I just put a few sits in here. I'm due to see him. And that's what happened. Even better if at the, like the top of that ravine, that woods is pinched in yep. by a field edge. We, I think we're talking oh, about the same even, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a 40, yep, 50 exactly. yard span between a field edge and where the ravine cuts up on this hillside that, you know, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. exactly. Um, that's, it's probably one of the most overlooked, like everyone, you know, saddles, benches, points, you know, ridges, but you don't hear a lot of like, there's, there's kind of hidden terrain features that I think get overlooked. And I never really figured it out until, you know, a lot of my scouting, I'd always find massive community scrapes and a lot of big, you know, especially like signpost rubs at the head of these ravines. Mm. And I'm like, I see what's going on here is it's, it's a really good pinch point, especially if it, the more, the deeper that ravine is and the further up and down the hill it goes, the better it is because it's then starting to funnel the whole hillside movement. You know, if it's just a small ravine, deer are going to get around it in different places so interesting piece of that is the the property in southern ohio is um on the east side has several like ditches and ravines running from west to east with the eastern end basically ending right at my property line before it goes into public at the food plot right Uh, so coming up from the food plot to the east okay like so and there's four or five of them that come out of there every head there is where i've marked big giant scrapes mm. sitting right at the head of those things. Yep. There you go. 
You know, and that's I think exactly that what I see here. And that's why I almost look at it. And, and Steve said the other thing that I've seen on at least this property is the I don't even know what you would call them, the points that I guess are coming out that kind of form these ravines. If at the mm-hmm. end of that point, which in this case would be above that tillable ground, uh, is real thick, every one of them had a buck bed on it. Like every one of those points go. had a buck yep. bed overlooking those ravines westerly kind of yep. in their face and then they're working back up those ravines and circling around are those westerly yep. facing knobs or they should west. be eastern right they're facing to the west really mm-hmm. yeah see that i wouldn't yeah. expect that i would expect the opposite facing from the east yeah mm-hmm. well, i'm sure there's because you're thinking of the you them would the want back. the wind blowing up over top and down you're saying i yeah. i think we're like because the wind normally comes from the west is that yeah. what you're saying right or, I'm yes, wondering. Exactly. I'm yeah. wondering if some of these deer aren't from a because I think predominantly it's a southwest wind at that farm, oh, okay. especially the way it runs up that ditch, uh, that tillable ground. And so when they're sitting on that point, even though it's facing west, it's cutting right across Maybe. their face. Yeah. A yeah. lot of times it's hard um, to understand why bucks will, but until you go out and you just drop some milkweed and you're like, oh yeah, it's just circling in here. That's and it very well why. might be on those points. Yeah. So yeah, and it, when you brought up circling. See, like, especially in the mountains where I hunt, I always talk about it's very hard to predict the wind, but in ravines or like at the head of a valley, um, the wind almost is always switching. And a lot of people think that a buck wants to bed where there's just one decent wind. And I swear, I think it's the complete opposite up here. I think they like switching wind, like me too. every five, 10 minutes, a different direction, you know, then He's getting a whiff from hundreds of yards away all the time, you know, in different areas. And I, I, I truly think that that's what they prefer. And it's yeah. almost impossible to, for anything to sneak it on a deer in that kind of spot, because he's going to probably have a good visual advantage and eventually he's going to get the scent of whatever's coming after him. Okay. I got to talk about this because of that. I, I completely agree. Yep. And I've, I, most of the big bucks that I've jumped on, you know, hilly country like this has been in in bottoms Mm -hmm. they're bedding in in bottoms where ridges come together and stuff where that wind will swirl Mm -hmm. um i also think that those make some of the best hunting spots um oh sure it's tough it can be really tough because the wind obviously is is swirling in there that's why the bucks like it but if you can find a primary ridge that cuts up out of a ravine with other you know other ditches feeding down into it it seems like yep. you can find a spot like that with a safe wind that the bucks are, they, they want to be low. It, in my experience, like in my part of Ohio, they want to be it, not on the ridges necessarily in the low part of the ditch. They're going to walk right up it and the wind's thermals are falling down into it and they can smell everything. But at some point that yep. ravine essentially ends and cuts up onto, we, we call it a hogback. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. those can be some great stand locations. In fact, I killed the Spaniard on one of those. So do you think... Um I guess I asked this to both of you guys. Do you think that there's a particular time of day? Like, I guess it, you talk about those low spots and like catching that wind. I would assume that that would be a stronger path of travel in an afternoon or evening when that thermal's kind of pulling it down in there versus in the morning, they may want to be on a ridge when it's rising up through there. Uh, what do you, what do you think, if, Steve? If you want my, if you want my opinion, to me, I've had better luck like in the evening. And when I see the them get out of their bed is usually in the evening, I'll notice the wind will just die down, but then you'll start to feel that thermal pull. Yep. And it really seems like that triggers movement. As soon as that wind dies, those thermals drop, then those bucks start moving down in those areas even more. 
you know, kind of with the thermals on their back. And, uh, it's just, it's like, it almost like it triggers movement. Do you see, um, and, and I'm sure it varies from different parts, especially where Jared's talking about like East central Ohio to where you're at, but do you see more of these mature bucks betting in higher spots and moving into low spots or vice versa? This, yeah, this year, uh, way more high betting. Um, last year the betting shifted, there was a lot more lower betting, but it was super dry, which I think especially all the does were down in the bottoms, which they wanted to be real close to water. Mm -hmm. Um, but this year is completely different. Uh, in fact, you know, even late October, uh, when things just started to change, the only daytime pictures I could get were way up high in the mountains. Mm -hmm. But uh, now it's starting to change. Once once November came, I mean, they pulled down. I'm getting pictures at any elevation right now. So I think that's an interesting but, uh, piece. Just yep. just understanding travel and pathways, and we got a we got a buckhead at our place. Oh, who did Pastor Don? Oh, great. No blood or arrow. <laughs> Shot an hour ago. We'll oh, see. Good. Um, I think it's interesting because, and again, I'm mainly because my brain's most fresh uh, on the Southern Ohio piece. But, you know, I, I'd walk the perimeter, mainly because I was just trying to see if there's anybody, like, pressed up against me. Is there any tracks or is there any trash, any tree stands, all that? And, and of course, just the way that this property lays out, the entire property line is pretty much a giant ridge, right? Which is really cool because it falls off on both sides. There's some real thick areas. There's obviously tillable on the bottom. And there's some real tight, um, whether you want to call them hogbacks or saddles, on these ridges where it just man it pinches down and it's like this is a place to if these bucks are running the ridge this is where you're going to kill them um but i think it's interesting because i saw a ton of bucks on a lot of fresh bucks on in that and i did see some down in the bottoms but you know i don't know if it's a year-to-year -year variation because there wasn't a ton of acorns up there versus a year that there's a ton of acorns and maybe there's more does up on that top and the does are down in the bottom this year but i thought it was interesting to see um, how those deer, those bucks on, especially were working the terrain in particular, those mm -hmm. points, cause I'm with you. I would have figured if those points were, uh, west to east, those would be the premier buck point. And there may be, maybe some of the bigger ones are, sure. but the amount of bucks on I saw on those points going out from east to west was substantial. And the, like, clearly they're like, okay, there's a buck, you know, may, maybe it's not a, a shooter, but there's a buck laying at this end here. Mm -hmm. Like it's rubbed. Here's all the droppings. It's thick. It's nasty. He's looking down over this thing. So, yep. you know, I think that they, those bucks probably want to have some sort of regiment to it. In fact, where that tornado had come through on that top, you could clearly see like, just like a cattle trail that would have been essentially on the south or downwind side of downwind it. Downwind side of it. Yep. And just multiple scrapes right on the edges yep. of that damn thing. Yep. And so I'm sure you sit there and those bucks are just cruising and just catching that wind straight out of that two plus acre, you know, jungle. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think what's neat about it is that I've seen bucks behave differently. I've seen certain mature bucks. In fact, this deer right here who bedded always high, always high, never, never low, always high, but he would come down into that bottom, particularly in the evening when those thermals started yep. to drop. But in the mornings, exactly. you know, some of these bucks that I've seen, like, I only see them high. I never see them in the bottoms coming down. And, it, you know, I, I don't know if that's because thermals are coming up and they've got a better opportunity to catch that wind and, and utilize it to their advantage or, or what. The mysteries of big bucks. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've always seemed to me like they would follow the thermals. 
I've watched, it seems like in the mornings they follow the thermals up and in the evenings they follow them down. I mean, I've heard other people say they almost see the opposite, but that's what I've seen here is, Mm -hmm. and if I'm going to hunt real low, it's generally in the mornings. I'll find more activity down low till, you know, maybe like 10 AM in a bottom. Mm -hmm. But then it seems like, especially after once you get past 10, 11 and all throughout the afternoon until right before dark, all the activity is usually up high. Interesting. I've got a question for for this group. Steve, are you pretty knowledgeable on thermals and how those work? A little bit. I mean, I don't, you can ask me, we'll see what happens. Me too. Yeah. Just kind of, (laughs) I, I understand the concept. What kind of a, what kind of a situation has to occur for thermals to rise in the evening? In the evening, huh. I'll tell you, you what you guys have I seen that, right? And those are like the best nights. I, I think I just my jump in here is typically that's when you have those big fronts coming through, and yep. that the ground yep. is warmer than the air temperature. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And wind direction, sometimes you know, this. Whenever if you if you have a front though, and you know the wind starts kicking up, it's almost like then thermals don't play that much of a part because the winds. To yes. me, the wind starts to it can take override over that it. thermal current. No doubt. Yep, exactly. So, but yeah, that does seem sometimes even right after a, a front, you'll see an abnormal thermal shift too. Once the wind dies down, then it seems like sometimes the thermals will do a little bit opposite of what you're thinking. Yeah, Maybe but I also still think, I don't know if I've noticed the, I think deer, right. the deer movement to change a whole lot when that happens. I've, it seems like I, uh, just naturally seems like most deer here want to start heading low in the evenings mm-hmm. and want to start heading high, working their way up the ridge in the morning. I, th- so I think there's what a, I've seen all my life. Yeah, there's a general rule that you can apply, which is, you know, bed high, feed low. Yeah, I, I would yep. completely agree with that. Probably yeah. has something to do with thermals and line of sight. Mm-hmm. And I think the the way that I've always interpreted fer- and thermals and and you know, it's easy to kind of see it when it's like a really nice crisp morning that sun comes up and you see kind of that, like just steam kind of starting to drift. But the, the where you see it a lot more common is like on a lake, right? When the water temperature is, is warmer than the air temperature and like right at dusk, you'll see like, you'll see that kind of steam and that thermal kind of coming up off of it. So what type of a weather pattern are you looking for? That's going to create you know, warm ground and cold air, which if that's just what's creating I would rising like the front that we've got coming through now. Yeah. So like now the ground sure. is somewhat warm ish mm-hmm, for sure. And then when the, oh, it's definitely warm. Yeah. And then when the temperature drops, the earth has not cooled. Correct. Yet, and so it's pushing yep. mm-hmm. the air away from it, I suppose. I think it's, I think it's the displacement of heat and so that works to our benefit then, because it does seem to correlate with good cold weather fronts, high high pressure, low temp. When I, the day that I killed this buck and the day before, mm-hmm. dropping milkweed out of the stand, and like you said, Steve, when it was windy, it was just going in the direction of the wind. Well, when the wind yep. would stop, it would kind of float off and just Pull up. go up. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, if we look at this big front, we're supposed to get a big rain front tonight, right? And so tomorrow is supposed to be sunny and like fifty or so. I bet it's a pretty stable. It's the aftermath of the front. Yeah, it's then the next day when it goes to like high of 40, that ground is still warm, hasn't cooled. And so I bet you see almost all day a constant thermal rise all day from from the moment the sun comes up in the morning 
till it goes down at night. I bet it's still even, it could be one of those ones where I've dropped them before and that damn thing like literally hovers because it's, it's mm-hmm. such a balance fighting on that side. Use milkweed, Steve. Nope, I don't. Dude. <laughs> I'm one of those guys that probably does everything completely, completely different than most other people. What, um, what do you use for I, wind? Just real small pieces of yarn, like on you know, on my bow or on my pack. I don't, I don't really. My mind's kind of made up, you know, a lot of times where I'm going to hunt, and I don't usually move even even though i'm a mobile hunter i don't usually make a move based on thermals me neither um me neither yep i mean dude uh, I, i'm dropping milkweed to just to learn just to, to understand oh, for, for future hun- yeah to learn an area. yeah dude once i'm yep. in i'm not i'm not getting down like yep. you know at that Nin- point 90, my excuse is hey you can still get lucky <laughs> yep yes. nope uh 90 of the time though you know in a spot i feel the thermals do the same thing they always do though like I feel the thermals rise in the morning and I feel the thermals drop in the evening until like you guys said, though, there's, you know, certain weather fronts do seem to play a factor in that. But generally I'll still hunt those locations though. Hmm. See, so, so something that I've like gained from that is like, if I can understand the weather patterns that give me a rising thermal condition, I'll push into yep. an area with the wrong wind knowing I can get away with well, it. Well, we're there, man. I yeah, mean, that's a good point. We are, um, I am tilting on the, it's time to get aggressive. Yeah. And, like I've been super conservative in how I've hunted, where I've hunted, when I've hunted. Yep. At this point, no pun intended, well, throw it to the wind. Yeah. Because I'm about to, I'm about to go deep. <laughs> yeah. And at this point we may get aggressive no matter the wind. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you got smelled the other day. Oh man. What a, what a, and, and here's a classic example. <laughs> Not to kick you. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> and we're in between like uh, this week has just been just a nasty weather front for anybody to hunt just the way it was. But I was literally hunting a Northeast wind, which is about as dependable as uh, a wet paper bag. Yeah. And you know, you mean Southwest, huh? yeah, you mean Southwest. <laughs> yeah. When it's calling for Northeast, it's a Southwest. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's actually not too bad, right? It's, it's at Northeast and I, I was planning, I mean, everything should have come, you know, from essentially the, the upwind side, right? I mean, that's, that's what I was hunting. That's how this, this stand is set. And like, just as like, I would expect, like the freaking way I walk into this stand, I look and here's this 145, 150 inch eight point, you know, just, just casually walk in, you know, kind of just cruising through and it's like, I'm, I'm going to kill that deer. And like, it's about the time I stand up and I'm ready. I could just feel that wind hitting right on the back of my neck. And I'm like, you gotta be shitting me, you know? And, and of course, as soon as he got in line with me at about 80 yards, he locked up you know, and he kind of turned, I gave him a grunt and the game was already over at that point. But, you know, and he didn't booger out. He just kind of, I'm going back the way I came. And like, you know, I immediately did this video and on uh, our Instagram on the story and like pulled out and, and my milkweed just sucks right down to him. And it's like 10 minutes before that, you know, I could pull it in and would have thrown it right over my left shoulder. And no matter which way he would have came, unless he came directly by me, I would have killed him. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that as I get older and, and hunt more, you know, when I was younger, I didn't even pay attention to that stuff. But <laughs> if, if, we talked about it this morning, like how many big bucks did we not even see because he caught our wind 200 yards away out of sight? Oh, sure. That happens. I a think lot. it's a lot more than we think. I, I think for, I think for, oh, absolutely. I think for every one you see, at least six <laughs> have done that. Yeah. And you just don't even know yep. it. 
you know, and, and so it gets back to that. I mean, it, there's still a big aspect of luck and, and, and how this thing sets up, but you know, when he's in sight like that, if that wind is, is t- coming anywhere near him in his direction, yeah, you're in trouble. You know, it, it, the game is over. The The fact that you're, you're not going to beat his nose, you know, and at, at that point. And, you know, I almost thought that he, that 200 caught me two nights ago and that I was, it was coming uh Northwest wind. So it was, it was a little bit towards that direction, but I kept hearing him grunting and, and moving. So I don't think he was, I think he was pretty focused on that dough, but just the same, you know, he may have caught something and that's why he didn't come up and circle around her. Thus giving me a shot. Makes you wonder how you can ever kill these things. Like with as good as <laughs> I'm serious. It's a lot of things aligning. It man. seems, yep. it seems impossible until, you know, until it doesn't, until you kill one, dude, the night that I killed this thing and the night before, I genuinely, f- and you could probably tell from like my text and my attitude, mm-hmm. I was like, it could happen. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that had to do with my thermals pulling up. I just had that confidence. I was like, they're they're in here and they're not going to smell me. Well, I mean, I will say- And that's what it takes to kill them. I will say based on like my hunting history, I have killed more mature bucks in the morning than I have the evening. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with so when thermals are rising- you have a much better advantage than if they're getting pulled down into an area that's deer level. Agreed. Yeah, that's a good point because they're going way up in up into the air more. And, and I that, and that can happen in the evening. It can, but it, it's very it's just rare because it's in tandem with a, a big yep. front. And understanding that, I think is, you know, so like pretty obviously nobody's gonna listen to this, but like at least where where we're all at and where we're all hunting, fronts coming through today. Tomorrow's very, I'm um, getting stabled Saturday, which would be the 13th of November will be the day that I think you will have thermals rising all day. And maybe the following two, I bet. Mark my word though. We talked about this morning, Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana, um, Wisconsin, all of those have gun openers on Saturday. Oh, wow. I think you're going to see a lot of big bucks fall to guns on Saturday because it's a perfect storm setup. Yeah. Yep. yep. You know, and the, this, mark that. Hey, go ahead, Steve. Uh, I was just going to say this year to me is, seems like more of a trickle rut and uh, you you get like these little good spurts of it and some of it's based on weather, but uh, I do think, you know, even though I liked last week, but the, as far as November, this is the best weather system we've seen. And I bet you the biggest rutting activity is in the next, you know, four or five days ahead. Great. Cause I, I have so all too. my tags. <laughs> yeah. We got a pocket <laughs> full of tags. Yeah. Hey, what, uh, what do you guys think about rattling this time of year? Oh, that's a good one. I'll let Steve answer first. Yeah. Well, you're, you're probably <laughs> talking to the wrong guy because up here, you don't do any, I probably don't do it enough. I have the worst luck rattling. Really? Um, if you want to talk about grunting, yeah, phenomenal luck running. Sure. Like uh, the night before I shot my buck, let's see, I grunted. Which was what day, Steve? I grunt. What's that? What day did you kill? I I killed Saturday, so that would be November sixth. Sixth. But on the fifth, um, I saw five bucks. That's it. And I know for sure. Probably four of them definitely came into blind grunting, but uh, three of them, I kid you not, in all the five-minute stretch, I had three different bucks come in from different directions. Two of them start fighting in front of me, you know, and it was all it was all the grunting. Now, the most mature one came in downwind, um, 
and uh, I would have shot him though. He's probably in the low one twenties. I just never, he never really got a shot. And by the time, by the time he did get my wind, you know, he spooked, but, uh, then the, the buck that I shot, I know also came in the blind running the next morning because I grunted and he must've only been probably a couple hundred yards away. And I could hear, uh, I don't, you guys are, I think we've talked about before you're familiar with like beech trees or beech brush. Yep like the beach brush or the beach well, little beach brush right now still has all its leaves. And I could just hear a, a tree just thrashing like mm-hmm. down below me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was a buck that heard my grunt. And, uh, you know, he came in, you know, all pissed off ears back hair standing up, but, uh, yeah, blind grunting for me, I've had way more luck blind grunting than when I see a buck out there and you're like, you know, he's not coming in and you do those desperation grunts yeah. nine out of 10 times you know, yeah. I, I can't, I can't kill a buck doing that. I agree. He'll, he'll well, like look in my direction and he doesn't see the other deer and, you know, or he might come towards you a little, but now the blind grunting is a gamble. I know that I'm probably losing some deer too, yep. but it's still bringing deer in my direction versus, you know, that deer could, could have been going the opposite direction until he heard me. What kind of grunting so, are you doing? So when you're blind grunting, what kind of grunts are those? I do like, you know, like a series, four or five grunts, not like real long tending grunts, but not short grunts, just kind of like a burp, burp. And I grunt as loud as I can uh, without making it sound like a duck, though. You know, yep. if you, you, you grunt too Don't hard. Too. You, got the wrong, right. you got the wrong kind of tube. We got to send him one. <laughs> you got to get a Magnum buck um, roar, dude. The tube. Really? It's oh, the yeah, one, man. What are you- I've, been, I've been using the Quaker Boy Growler, and that's oh, yeah. been really good, That's too. a good call, too. Um, no, yep, pe- but, no, many oh people God, know man. about the Quaker boys though. Just us PA boys yep. mainly. Yeah. I used to work for Quaker boy actually. So that's why I'm a little bit of a Quaker boy fan. Yeah. But, uh, no, man, I, I kid you not. And and I know in other places grunting and even blind grunting doesn't work, but the deer up here, cause I think even rattling and calling it, it's different all throughout the country. Some places rattling works phenomenal. Some places even bleeding's better. I just think, you know, all that I've tried, it just seems like grunting up here, uh, blind grunting is, is hmm. the ticket for bringing deer in. I agree. That's what I've killed a large portion of my mature bucks by blind grunting. I've killed maybe, yep. maybe one of those deer by calling at grunting at him after seeing him. And that would have been that Kansas buck over here. I, and I knew, yep. but he was just a bully. And so I snort wheezed him in, <laughs> you know, it, it I knew yep. he responded to the grunts and was snort wheezing. And I figured if I could get him to really get out of his mind, he would have drawn through and he did. But the majority of the deer yep. that I kill are via blind grunting. I've, I have rattled some bucks. So to your point, your question, I did rattle this weekend several times and have a single deer come in, but other guys <laughs> banged them. And within 10 minutes, we're shooting yep. deer. Really? Absolutely. Mid, most of them yep. midday. I don't know if that matters. Well, it might be when they're not on does as much too <laughs> midday and they're, you know, looking a little bit more. Well, so, so one thing too, yeah. Yeah, um, if, if you got, you know, I'm sure you got listeners that hunt the mountains. I don't think you can over grunt in the mountains because there's different, you know, the way the, the ridges flow in the terrain, sure. I, I don't think the sound is always carrying to a deer is good. Yeah. The acoustics he's down are over the completely hill, different. You know, he's, yeah, he's not going to hear you as well. And plus the range of these bucks this time of year is in five minutes, that deer could easily go from hearing range yep. to out of hearing range. 
So like I literally grunt at least every five minutes. Wow. And I mean, if somebody oh. was sitting near me, they're probably like, what this in the heck guy. is yeah, that this, guy doing? This guy, this is well, the I guy just, that I'm used to. Tom Yenzer is grunting the whole time up in there. <laughs> yep, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I just, I've had so much success doing it that I can't get away from it. That's It'd funny, be different man. if nothing was showing up. I mean, you, the fact that you're telling me that you're got, you've got bucks on camera moving four to six miles, like that these deer are yep. covering some serious ground. And, and so, yeah, you're right. I mean, just as easy, easily as you could potentially spook something with grunting so much or, or giving your, your position away, you know, you've got to yep. at least get in the game on them in some cases. And I do, uh, it, yep. people laugh at it, but like, I kind of relate it when you're hunting in these hills and haulers and stuff like turkey hunting. Like if you ever are in yep. the woods in the spring and you hear a bird gobble, you're like, which, what, what, where the hell was that? You know? Cause it, exactly. it, it, ref, yep. it basically refracts off of all these different terrain features, you know, or if the, yep. the woods are thick in the, you know, in an area, I mean, that sound is absorbed so fast. So, I mean, you've got so many different factors there to when you're listening. Yep. Like I, even with that giant buck coming in on me, you know, last week, you know, I heard it and I'm like, was that a grunt? I heard it again. I'm like, it was, where the hell is he though? And he was 80 yards yep. away but it was in a ravine coming down. And so like, I, I had no idea. Like I'm freaking out. Like, you know, where is he until you see him? Then you're like, Oh, there he is. Yeah. Even I think yep. Colton and I've been in a stand together. We hear something and like, I look this way and he looks that way. I'm like, it's over here. He's like, I think it's over here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a, it's a yep. good point. It is funny, man, because like, you know, I do the same thing with Turkey con. Like I'll, I'll be walking through public ground or something and, somebody's sitting there just, you know, cranking on the box call every two minutes. I'm like, come on, bro, seriously. But uh, from a, from a grunt standpoint and an alertness standpoint, if the bucks are truly on their feet that much, you know, it's about the only way you're going to pull or at least, you know, potentially get their attention when you're talking about blind calling, which I love. I'm, I'm a huge proponent yep. of blind calling. I've had a lot of success that way. I know other guys that won't touch a call until they see a deer. Yep. And That's another thing is. too, I'll recommend is, the weather and wind plays a huge effect in grunting. Like last week, I mean, I grunted a ton and I really wasn't having a lot of success until later in the week when the weather was more steady. When you get like a lot of wind, I just don't think the sound carries enough. Mm -hmm. But those, we had like three mornings in a row where we just had steady temperatures. It's like, you know, high 20s, low 30s. And it was like you could hear a pin drop out there. Yeah. And, you know, you'd let out those grunts and you could hear it bouncing off ridges and it just seemed like it really traveled. And those are the most ideal conditions, you know, to, to get a buck to, to hear you. So Dude. if, you know, if, if you're out there in 30 mile an hour winds grunting, don't expect to, to have the same results in, in certain other days. That first week of November was special this year. I, you oh, can just my tell, God. Yeah, you can just tell when it's on, and it, it isn't The always. weather lined up just that's, right. That's what I mean. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and it, yep. it, it was one of those things that you knew it was going to bust loose because traditionally, man, I really bank on that October 23rd to 27th time exactly. frame. Exactly. And it was Same dead. Here. It was dead. Dead. Scary dead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm like, is this, uh, is it ever going to happen? Feeling like, That's are weird. you kidding me? Is there a rut this year? Or well, not? <laughs> and, and I guess my worry was, you know, be, because of just the way the feeding situation was with acorns and stuff off, I'm like, holy shit like did i miss it like are my cameras in the wrong spot like because that's what i need some sort of indication to say yeah it's time to go it's time to sit and frankly it just wasn't there yeah, yeah. wait till you guys see our at the end of the year because i can already see a lot of the results now our trail cam data survey as far as daytime buck movement 
it's so unbelievable. It's like hardly anything. And then November 1st comes and it's just crazy. Cameras are on fire. Yep. So, I mean, the cameras don't lie. That's one of the best ways to, uh, you know, to, to record that kind of information. And it seemed pretty good till probably right around the sixth or seventh when you killed your buck. And then it kind of fell back off again now. It's dying off. And it, I think, I think again, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's going to, yeah. Well, I just want to make it known that if we kill a buck in Illinois, I'm taking credit. Sure. I'll let you take credit (laughs) for it. it, It'll, it'll be because of this decision to back out and come back when the weather's right. Yeah. It would have been a tough one. You made, you made a good decision. You definitely The only thing that we have to deal with in Illinois is that Friday starts gun season. So I don't know how many guys are going to come in from a public aspect Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, start scouting, putting up camp, you know, whatever. So hopefully we're tagged out by them, but yeah, it'll be, Hmm. it'll be on dot, dot com. (laughs) On dot com. On dot com. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the other thing too, Steve, that I really was curious about is, um, you know, uh, you were talking about being mobile, and obviously as an outfitter, that's tough. Um, because oh my god, you know, so tough. So so I guess just tell us, like, how are you doing that, or how are you working with that with with your guys? You know, are they going with you when you're scouting these areas? Are you out running and gunning? And you're like, boom, this is spot, hang one, and be like, okay, we're changing the game tomorrow. Well, it used to be. The biggest problem this year is we have we're lacking like consistent spots. Like normally, like I said, you find the food, you know, you have a good idea where the bedding is. You set up stands month or two in advance. This year, because it's constantly changing, I mean, we only have probably usually we have about fifty stands. Mm-hmm. This year, I bet you we have fifteen good stands. And really, at this point, they're getting to be about all burnout. If you are seeing deer. The, the mature bucks are they're skirting around them and it and then you know so most guys come into a group and it's so hard especially like most guys do a three-day hunt to just get everyone always you know readjusting reorganized like we really weren't set up for a year like this i know that we've killed some good deer recently but if i had more mobile hunters which next year i've already made up my decision you're going to have to be mobile or unfortunately not being mean, but I really think you're wasting your time here. Um, and we also <laughs> want to uh, normally we'll have like reflective tacks and ribbons, you know, for the, mm-hmm. for the routes next year, we're just going to use our Spartan forge app and we'll have the trail marked out. They'll have to get the app, but um, we just give you the pen and the trail and, and you go. Dude, and that, that's that, so and you're, valuable. You know, you got your, Steve. So valuable. Yeah, you got your climber, whatever. And plus it's just less intrusion. We, yeah. we can, you can be in a stand somewhere. I can find something hot. Bam. I throw you the pin, throw you the route, say, get out of your stand, pack up and set up here. Like that's what we normally we've never, we just, we haven't had a year where we really had to do that, but knowing that we're going to probably have that gypsy moth problem again next year, no acorns. I'm, yeah. I'm just planning ahead. And I, I really think though, even in years uh, when there is, you know, a good acorn crop and things are a little easier. I still think that's the better way because you can always have stands that die or you might find something better. And this, and it's going to make the work a lot less for us. Like I don't have to be walking four or five guys to and from their stands some days. I just, I give you the pin and the route and it's on you then. So Mm -hmm. that's what I think you got to do. Be mobile. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, was, yeah, we use the hunt stand, like the track feature. And so Corey yep. was able to get to his stand that way. But we also put some some night eyes out on the way. Yeah. 
And he yep. told me that he was getting out the first night and he's like following this trail and he gets up to one of these night eyes and he's like, pulls it out of the tree and it's like, not, it's not ours. <laughs> oh, that, that happens to us too. Trust me. Yeah. That's luckily, you know, I've walked so many of the trails and I'll find other people's trails. Usually what I do is I'll put two, two tacks or, you know, night eyes up, yeah. say, just follow the ones that you see too. But you know, it's, then you're eating up a lot of, a lot of tax that way as well. So we definitely got to get, you know, like I said, we're, we're not doing bad. Obviously we killed another big one this morning. I think our overall number though, is going to be way down this year, but uh, you know, you learn from years like this. And uh, I really do think, you know, these learning years um, really it's, you're better to learn than to have some success and think you're doing everything right. So uh yeah, I, you know, it's going to make us better. Not that, like I said, I'm not complaining. I'm super happy, especially in the past 24 hours. I think we've killed, you know, two bucks over 140. So I was going to say, I'm I saw, happy with that. I saw one posted last night that looked like a pretty good stud. Yep, exactly. And then the one this morning, that big freak buck. I mean, that's I, that's probably another 140 class deer. And then I killed the big one, you know, on Saturday. And we have a few days left. We've got a couple other small ones, but. uh you know, and another thing, not to make excuses, but I've only had maybe two weeks, not even of real good hunting. You know, yeah. we, we did the first or we did the last two weeks, of October, and it just was completely dead. So uh, I'm not complaining, though. We're, we still had a great year. I think it's it's amazing, Steve. When you start to <clears throat> optimistically, you can look at, oh, man, I've got 50 tree stands. I've got a whole season. I've got 10 bucks on camera that I would shoot. And then you start to like sift through that as the season gets going and you're like, oh, well, actually, you know, I've only probably got, um, you know, let's call it 12 to 15 days of really high quality weather stuff. Yep. You know, bucks move off and they're, you know, they, they change their patterns. Maybe only three or four of those things end up hanging out. And then, you know, depending on weather and wind on a given day, that stand could fluctuate from, from 50 stands to six you know or whatever absolutely and it all comes down to like all of those things lining up and then you still have to get lucky and that buck has to come in and and do it Mm -hmm. how hard it really is to to kill these things is oh my god yeah not to be a pessimist about it but a a realist oh and uh like i said you know if you've never you know done guiding or outfitting people think it's like you just put someone in a stand and they kill one but they got to have skill too. They, the most important thing is, is their mental attitude. And especially in big woods, like that guy, uh, Gerald there, you know, he came the last week, October hunted hard too. He wasn't one of those guys who just hunted a little bit. He never saw a deer, but yet he wanted to come back. Then he comes back yesterday is his first day kills, kills that deer in 20 minutes on his first sit. That's awesome. But that's the kind of attitude you have to have like that grinding determined attitude. And, trusting in your outfitter and knowing that okay the deer are here i just got to put my time in yeah and he hit it at a bad time and I, I kept telling him and the group of guys i said guys i'm telling you you know this is just an unusual year i said even myself you know i'm not seeing anything either and uh hold on a second and uh you know i was just happy at least a couple of them came back and uh it paid off yeah 
I got to believe other than, you know, mobility and um, disability to execute uh, when the time comes, attitude has to be the biggest thing you're looking for out of clients and, and hunters. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and if they've, I had a guy, you know, last year, if, if you don't have faith in your guide, there's no sense me like guiding you. Yep. And one guy, everywhere I took him, there was always a complaint. And I mean, fortunately, this rarely ever happens, but I just, you know, towards the end of the hunt, I said, you know, I'll finish it out with you. And I said, but in a nice way, I said, I don't think you're meant to be guided. Like a guided hunt. <laughs> you're not guideable. Like you're, yeah, you're asking me. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm the best guide or the best hunter, but I'm, you know, if you are going to have me guide you, I need you to go with the plan here. You yeah. know, I've worked hard to try to get you in a good spot and to have a good plan. And if you're not going to follow it, we're both wasting our time. 100%. So you got to have people that, that trust in you. Um, and you know, like I said, there's so many variables. I get guys, Hey Steve, it's too cold today. I think I'm going to pass or it's a little drizzly rain. I mean, I understand if it's like a hurricane out there, but get your ass some out people's there. effort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta, I don't care if you're guided or not. If, if you're not hunting hard, um, the less time you're in the stand, the, the less chances you're going to get. So For sure. it's, it's way harder to guide than what most people think, but hard to believe uh, that happens on a three day hunt too. It's like, do you got three days just hunt three days? Yep. And that's what most people choose because it's cheaper. And, you know, I'm, I do feel, you know, my hunts are fairly reasonable. So people think, you know, for 875 bucks, I can go do a three day hunt and they know the, the, the deer, the big deer here, you know, for that, for that price. But I don't think they realize, I don't even care what part of the country you're going in in three days, it's really difficult. Yeah. And it's hard to make an adjustment. Like everything I planned for, uh, you know, could easily change, but to readjust in three days and get everyone's reset up, it's just very difficult. So yeah. have you, have you had a beat on some of the let's say antler size, bigger bucks that you have had in years past this year, or does that also seem to be a little bit off? Um, no, actually, I think this year, I've, you know, I've had a, a good beat and even all the, the, the big ones that we've taken, it wasn't like, uh, we didn't know where they were. We were like, even the buck I shot, I intentionally went in to kill that deer and I'm not, I'm making it sound easier than what it is. I mean, I'm sure there was some luck involved, but that was the deer I killed. These other ones, uh, we've got this week. We knew, we kind of knew they were there. We've been seeing a lot of our target deer too, but getting them in bow range is another story. Or mm -hmm. we've had some misses. Last week we had a guy hit a big one we never found. So Oof, yeah, I, I, I do that. feel like we've done really well. This is probably our best year ever though of staying on some of these bigger deer. And I think a lot of that too is just a lot of off season scouting and just learning some of these areas better and what these deer have been doing. So, yeah, no, like I said, it's been, it, we haven't killed a ton, but at least we're getting some big deer. I'll be interested to talk to you again, Steve, in uh, like January timeframe, January, February. Yeah. Uh, I yep. think, you know, maybe I've looked at some of the wrong stuff in the past, or even when we've got out in the summer and stuff, it's hard to put yourself in this November state of mind in those times of year yep. to just yeah. really know what you should be looking for. Yep. You know, cause you can yep. be like, Oh, there's a food source. Cause you have to acknowledge, you know, October and late season, there's other parts of the season 
But, but really, yep. you know, this right now is is probably the time of year it makes the most sense to scout for. You know, what are those terrain features yep. that I should be looking for? You know, what are the yep. what are the does doing this time of year? So I'll be looking forward to that conversation. I think that's a good point. Hey. I mean, I mean, that's one. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love October. I love November. That February, even in early March time frame, is one of the my favorite times to be in the woods because it is bare bones. Absolutely. You're reading sign yep. as clear as day at that point. And, and yep. really, some of the sign that you see, like that's where I'm looking on the ground. I mean, obviously, I'm looking for sheds, but I'm looking for big buck tracks in January and February because that's my indication yep. that there's something next year that's probably of interest to me. Yeah. Yep. And another thing that I look for, just a little small feature that I really think makes a difference is if you're not seeing shavings um, on a rub, it's usually an early season rub. But if you're seeing those shavings on top of the leaves still, that's probably rut rut sign, you mm. know, because that's after leaf off. And I've, that seemed to has really helped like finding some bigger deer and where they <laughs> rut because you can tell that's all late, late rubbing and which is, they're only mainly rubbing when they're in rut. So, uh, yeah. for, for rut sign, that's a real key thing to, to lean, you know, to focus on. Interesting. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did, I guess in terms of, um, and we'll kind of use this as a wrap up point, but I, I'd like to get your take on this. When we talk about rubs, we talk about scrapes, obviously just mentioning that shavings on top of leaves for rut sign on a rub, Obviously, it's easy mm -hmm. to tell like a scrapes fresh or not at this time of the year. Do you think, um, do you, I guess, do you hold water to one of those more than the other uh, in terms of, hey, I've got like a, here's an old, um, you know, whatever, old logging road and there's 10 scrapes on this thing versus, you know, here's a big rub here, here's a big rub there. Is there one of the two that you put more weight in in November and then even looking forward to next year, if you're walking through an area in January and you're like, well, it's a good rub, but man, look at all these scrapes. Like do either one of those, yep. I guess, hold your attention more? Yep. I mean, what I usually find, and I touched on a little bit earlier is where I'm finding a lot of rut sign right now is usually where there's a good concentration of does. Um, and then you might find, there's also maybe a little bit of sign, not as much, but you might sign like a, or find like a little bit of a signpost rub line in between a couple pockets of does. But the most sign I'm seeing is all really doe related. And I really don't see, uh, I don't even see those bucks using those specific locations outside of the rut. Hmm. Um, but it, it, that's, that's why I said, like, I think it's really important to be able to figure is this rut sign or was this pre-rut or early rut sign? Um, it's, it's like, cause I do have some spots that are, that are producing, you know, again, like they have in other years and like a week or two ago, there was no scrapes, there's no rubs in there, but I was seeing does. And then now that's just shredded up hmm. and that's what those bucks do. Even like the buck, the guy shot last night, uh, you know, it was just next to a doe. The guy said it was ripping up trees and they, they don't just do that, you know, you know, for other bucks, but I think there's some maybe showing off or, you know, something for the showing off for the ladies a little mm -hmm. bit too, but those big concentrations of sign you see right now are generally areas where the, where they're like rut areas and they can sometimes be good the next year, as long as the does stay consistent. It's, I, I always say, I think the biggest key in the rut is 
is knowing what your does are doing. But sometimes though, it seems like does tend to be a little less, uh, maybe I would say vulnerable. They'll go into areas where bucks don't feel as safe and secure. Yeah. And it seems like in those areas, the bucks will stay back a little bit and just kind of scent check the trails that the does are using. Mm -hmm. But if you can find those more secure staging areas and that the does, especially doe bedding, if you can find consistent doe bedding every year, you'll probably find some real good sign in there. And in my opinion, that's probably the best place to hunt the rut and kill a mature buck right now. You know, where I was going with that is that, you know, we've, we've been talking about as we're looking at properties to hunt, lease, buy, whatever, you know, <clears throat> there's uh, and it goes back to your scouting in July question, like, cool. We saw one in 60 class 10 point at the head of that holler in Illinois in a bean field. And it's like, that's a big buck. Like, let's get on them. I haven't seen that damn deer since, mm-hmm. you know? And so sure. it's, it's one of those things that, and I'm sure he's in the area somewhere, but like, as I've been looking at our leases or even the property in the Southern Ohio, my own properties, you know, I'm like, what kind of buck sign am I seeing from the last week of October to now? Am I seeing fresh scrapes or am I not? Am I seeing fresh rubs or yep. am I not? And it's mainly because yep. like, I want those deer there in the summertime. And I want to be able to be influential. Where are you talking about exactly? That but, buck that we saw where I'm hunting? Well, yeah, in Union. Yeah. So, like, again, we see buck sign back there where you're hunting, but we saw that big buck in the bean field up front when we were driving. Yep. Haven't seen that deer. Right. And it's just, it comes down to what you and I have been talking about is the right property. And to where I don't know if I really care if I see I that buck what. there in the summer <laughs> as long as he's there at the end of October and into November. Yeah, sure. Agreed. I think I think that spot specifically is even different from Hobart's the other lease. Mm-hmm. These are, and I said this to Colton when we were in stand. Those seem like big woods mountain bucks. There's a lot of big open woods that's not holding them in in one spot. I'll bet if I kill a buck out of that spot, he may have been five miles away. Yeah, we may before. have never have seen him. Yep, I think they just know how those hills lay, and they have spots that they go through, and I think that's I think that is one of them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that there's no well, there are some rubs and mm-hmm. scrapes and stuff down there, probably from that three year old we've been seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the deer I'm going to kill in that spot. I think he's going to come from a long way away. Well, I think it comes down in, in different topics here, but like as we're looking at property, like even the the place I just got in Southern Ohio. The cool thing that I was encouraged about is there was a lot of fresh buck sign on that place as of two days ago, which tells me that historically there's probably bucks using that area during October, November, which is what I care about. If I can keep them there or if I can influence them to be there in, you know, July, August, September, awesome. Uh, Or if I can feed them in January, February, March, probably even more important. But the fact that there is buck sign on that property now and it's active and I mean, it was fresh as can be is my encouragement that they're there now, you know, and hopefully if I can improve the property, they'll continue to be there, maybe be there even more. Yeah. But there's a lot of places that we've looked um, and no knock on it. Like I love the Kentucky lease that we have. It's big woods, mountains, very much what Steve's hunting in his area. I mean, just big bluffs and, and big timber. Yep. There, there isn't shit for buck sign. Very few. And it's just mainly in the bottom in the food plot because I think they're there checking does. But all those big ridges, yep. all where I expected big rubs and big scrapes, there's no big bucks right now. It's hmm. because the deer aren't – I don't think you're really having clusters of deer activity. It's more spread out. That's it. 
when when they start to cluster in areas, that's when you're start you're going to see a lot of sign. Yeah. But that's just my point. Like if you have good doe groups though, and that will draw a lot of bucks into that area, that's where you'll also see good buck sign. Hmm. Can't kill them if they aren't there. How many times have we said that? <laughs> well, dude, just every property is so different. You know, there's. Yep. Yeah. I'm just thinking about all the places that we've hunted this year. Well, like, and not to call it out, dude, but I, I think of your family farm of where it's in September and even the first week or two of October, I'm like, dude, this is the best. I said it to you. I'm like, this is the best hunting year I think you guys have had on that property in terms of number of shooter bucks. And yeah. then like that, gone. Nothing. Gone. Dead. Well, and it's interesting that it's it's like almost a direct contrast to what Steve is saying he's seeing up there is that I've got does. I've got, I've got cameras on food plots that have five, six does in them every night. I haven't seen a shooter buck in there in three weeks at this point. Insane, man. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I, however. Here though, it would be different here though, (laughs) because we have so few does and and less deer. Like I think that's here. It's just fine does. You'll find bucks. But I think when you have higher doe populations, you know, it's just different too. We do. At least that's that's my. They don't guess. have to work, and they can only cover so many does. Well, here's my theory too. I don't yep. think that those two year olds are gonna. I don't think they can breed everything no. that's there. And we have good food. Do you think they'll recycle? I bet. I will bet. Yep. Uh, you know, after Thanksgiving, those big bucks, and we'll have a rut probably through December because yep. I have so many does and I have the food. Classic those, big farmland. Those bucks that are left will come back. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you'll have a good crack in a late season and they'll be working hard for those bucks. I think for so. those does. Yeah. Well, Steve, listen, man, we know you got guys in camp. Sure. Um, we wish them the best of luck here the rest of the week and the hunt. And uh, as always, man, awesome to have you on and, and enlighten us on these deer. Um, you truly share the Thank same you. passion that Jared and I have for this, this, <laughs> you know, mission in life, really. Um, you know, yep. and, and, uh, like Jared said, I think we get you back on here in in that early winter time period, because, you know, as much as I hate to say it, you know, it'll come up fast, but we're going to be switching our minds oh, to next season. Really? Just like Absolutely, that. Absolutely guys. Just like I, that. It's been, it's been a, just as much fun, if not more talking to you again, you guys, you guys are awesome to talk to. And I really appreciate you having me. Well, we appreciate it, dude. We and just freaking love doing it, dude. That's why it's so it's so easy to like talk. There's just un, unlimited topics, you know. Well, we'll definitely pull you back in, man. Again, best of luck, uh, and also to you next week uh, if you're up in New York hunting, or even if you're just getting ready for gun season. Just be safe and have fun, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks dude. dude. Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Yep. Cool shirt. Represent. I, I gotta get one of those. Representing the old shirt guide service. Uh, well, I mean, it's just cool because again, when you talk to the guys, whether it's Steve or Bill or Dan or whoever, when you share a passion, when you, when you're all, when you start talking and it's just like, yeah, we're on the same page here. Um, it just, it just makes it so much better. And and, I mean, it blows through a podcast of two hours, you know, in no time. Um, but I, I really, two things, number one, um, Steve's bashful about it, but dude, he's running like 140 cameras and covering like. Uh, essentially like a, a couple hundred thousand acres. Yeah. It's committed. Um, and, and per even your experience that you guys just had this weekend on public, like it's not all roses. No. Like he's got, I'm sure he works for really hard for some deer that ultimately because it's public, uh, somebody else bust and blows out. Yeah. Um, you he's, know. yeah, it's, he's not running like a couple thousand acre operation in Iowa. It's, you know, yeah. and, and those guys do work too, but I mean, this is some work. Yeah. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, no acorns. We have no food. 
these deer move four miles. Yeah. It's like, how do you hunt that? It's a tough gig. Yeah. And I mean, but he loves it and you can tell like he lives for that. So when he has a guy this morning and last night kill bucks and he's like, that's why, that's why I do it. Yeah. So, um, again, it's, I don't know. It's Thanksgiving week. I think if people are listening to this podcast, which means, uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio's gun seasons are about to open up. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, and we talked about it with Dan and I think it's still got some steam is we'll do it, um, probably next week, although it won't be as classy as like, you know, that'll be kind of our Illinois deer camp is, you know, me, you, Colton and Corey and a hotel and a hotel room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, again, it's not like, uh, as, as what some people would have, but I'd love to see what people's camps are. I'm going to have kind of a mini camp with Emily and Harlan and Carter down in Kentucky this weekend. So I'll take some pictures and do some posts and stuff at our cabin. But, um, you know, this new Ohio place, we've got this little, it's like a cinder block metal roof, but it's got beds, bathroom, running water, kitchen. Like we got a camp. Where are you doing it with the kids? At the Kentucky cabin. Kentucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gun season Sunday or gotcha. Saturday. All right. So I'm prepping tomorrow, Saturday we hunt and dude, so many bucks down there. Nothing like that. I'm real excited to shoot myself, but like for them or for yeah, them, they like, got to be jacked. Dude, we've got hunt like bucks everywhere so as long as that cool. holds with this front we should be good but um yeah i mean I, I think that um so we've got we've got kentucky gun we've got illinois before you listen to this um i think we're looking at small day sets too not to yeah. scary colton i think we're gonna sit and i'm trying to contain the excitement of buying an ohio farm as well yeah dude like that'd, that'd be a journey just super stoked and you know, just to get started, man, you and I both have, uh, and I think Steve is too, but we've got a real hands-on mindset. And so this place has got a lot of improvements that can happen. I mean, dude, I've got seven tillable acres in this bottom that has never been planted. And it's like, uh, yes, plant, <laughs> plant that <laughs> check. Number one, yeah. like plant this. Well, if you plan you, you it, can kinda pa- you can pave the way for me because I've, I've never bought property, but I'm, I want to. Well, and I'd love to hear from everyone else. It's funny because like I, I mentioned it. I don't know where I mentioned it, honestly, maybe just in the Instagram story. And like instantly we got several messages about like, hey, I've been trying to buy land. Is this too small? I want to do so. I think the people have spoken and we should do our side podcast. I've just called it. I'm buying a farm. Like that's what it's called. I'm buying a farm podcast, which is part of Hunter. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, just you and I and our kind of journey here to buying investment farms and hunting them and enjoying them. For sure. Um, but you can't fall in love with it. That's the key, which I needed you by my side a couple of times because I was like, Whoa. I was there I in, really in like spirit. It. I was like, that service to call Jared? I was there in spirit. I was probably the, when you called me, I was like, well, this is the problem. Here's mm-hmm. the bad thing. Yep. Which is good. That grounds me. Yeah. Uh, it also helped me get it for $15,000 less I was than like, I wanted. Coon hunter, huh? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got I negotiated it down below where I was willing to pay. Which yeah, that's was awesome. Good. I can't believe they just said yeah, yeah, yes. Well, and again, there's there's some <laughs> Done. huge. Yeah, me either, dude. I was I was literally pulling into the like Columbus city limits, and I was on the phone with Emily, and we were going through, and, and her and I had broken this down. Which obviously anybody that's thinking about buying it, make sure your spouse is on board. And so we were, we were cool with everything that we did, and I was like, yeah, you know, I I went 15 under what I thought because that's my starting point. And I literally was saying that and I get a text from the agent and he's like, he's like, uh, Hey, are you willing to cover closing costs? Which in most cases the buyer does anyways. I was like, yeah, no problem. I'll cover closing costs. He's like, good. It's done. I was like, like done. Like your proposal, like yeah, he accepted I submitted the offer. And he's like, no, no, no. He, as long as you're paying closing costs done, he accepts. I'm like, 
There you go. I bought a farm. Just bought a farm. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. So I'm excited about it. And I think that'll be something, especially as we get into January and stuff, because I don't officially close until January, is, um, you know, we'll take you guys through kind of not only the purchase of the farm, but how I'm thinking about it from an investment side. I think you're probably not too far to starting that process as well. And it's not to be like, oh, yeah, look at us. We can go buy farms. I just I think we've had the discussion around the leases and I think, still think there's value in leases in a lot of different cases. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to uh, kind of get into this financial aspect of it from a purchase standpoint and investment. And again, the first property you buy is probably not going to check every one of your boxes. Like, do I think I can grow big deer here? Probably. But do I think I can grow this? I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. But maybe, yeah, it's gonna be a journey, man. I mean, we got whatever th three to five years to make it an awesome there deer hunting property and mm -hmm. enjoy it. Uh, yeah, what, whatever else comes out of that. But you know, ultimately, you know, we'll sell it to one of you listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look me up in three to five years. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a cool story to go through. And um, man, it was uh, it was a little bit. Uh, it wasn't that I was rushed to do it, but you know, I was um, I was ready. I had I done the research. I knew where I wanted to be. I was, I was financially sound to do it. Um, and man, I just couldn't find the property. It's like, it's like Bill said, I mean, did you're, at least you're in the game now. Like yeah. you've got, you have an investment property. Yeah. We can start to do this work and I'm sure other properties will come up Yep, and, uh, you know, you'll have something to leverage for that. And that's, I think that's just kind of the, how, I think that's how, how these starts. guys start it. Just how you it know? starts. But I do think that one thing that we, both you and I, as well as our families have, have really emphasized is we need to focus a bit. Yeah. And, and I like the focus of mine is because really I'm not, I don't see myself buying land in Pennsylvania besides where my primary residence is, which I have 28 acres, yep. but Kentucky property and now this Ohio property or, or this region is, that's my focus mm -hmm. um, for a lot of reasons, mainly yeah, close to home. Yep. Close to home, but also hunting. Like those, those are the places that are probably the better of the hunting areas. You know, could I buy a land in Southern Illinois? Sure. Would I ever get there to do anything? No. It's just, that's the reality of it. Yep. Um, so yeah, bought a farm. Pretty sweet. Well, we appreciate Steve shirt coming on. Uh, awesome as always. Um, if you're a mobile hunter and you're thinking about trying to chase some big woods brutes, I'd look Steve up in early 22. Cause it sounds like he's going to have some openings. And frankly, I think the last time we talked to him, he said like, I don't have openings. Like it's, I'm booked up. Yep. So, and shit, maybe you'll join us. Maybe it'll be a hunter camp. Come hunt with us. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Is that if anybody wants to come hunt with Jared and I? Yeah, it sounds like he's got maybe some time. Yeah. I think that would work. We'll make it work. Well, we appreciate you listening to episode 47 of Hunter Podcast with Steve Shirk Jr. of Shirk's Guide Service, Pennsylvania, Big Mountain Bucks. Um, it's, it's still November. You're still grinding. Keep it up. It'll happen. Be patient. Be safe. I have another one of these sitting by the time next time we're on here. I hope so. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. It's Later. Me.